everyone. I'm Lynn Prowse-Bishop and welcome to the Virtual Business Show, What You Need to Know. The show covers topics of interest to virtual assistants as well as those in small business and people who may want to work as a VA or hire the services of one. Today we're going to be talking about becoming a virtual assistant. I've been in practice now since 2000 and one of the most common questions I'm asked is how do you actually get started as a VA? Probably the first thing we need to do is to define what a virtual assistant is. A VA is a business owner, an entrepreneur, a contractor or subcontractor who provides administrative support or other business services remotely from their clients, usually from a home-based office. We should also probably talk about what a VA isn't. It's not a wham business. What I mean by that is the the work at home mum business. Now, whilst many of us are work from home mums and dads, of course, because many men are actually virtual assistants, it's important not to confuse a VA practice with a, a scrapbooking business, an Amway distributorship or something similar. The main criteria for becoming a VA is that you have an entrepreneurial spirit that drives you to want to be your own boss. Becoming a VA isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not one of those internet-based make-money-from-home scams. You're not an employee. It's not a job. And by a job, I mean this is serious and you have to take it seriously. If you want to become a VA so you have a job, in inverted commas, then you need to go out and actually get one because you're not going to succeed as a business owner. Ash Hunter is the 38-year-old CEO of Hunter 5 Publishing and he's one of the Business Review Weekly's Young Rich List, Top Richest Australians. And he says, if you do something for the money, then you'll fail. If you do something because you love it, you'll succeed. Being a VA is about doing something you love. If you're in it for the money you think you'll make out of it, then it's better to get out now. Running a small business is hard. Getting it off the ground is time-consuming. It's not going to be handed to you. And the most successful VAs in the world today are those who understand this and view their practice as a lifestyle choice, not as a job. It's important to state that you're not an employee. The reason is because unless you get that clear in your own mind, you're going to have clients who will walk all over you. By not taking that employee mentality, you're going to be better able to serve your clients professionally and they're going to understand that they don't have the same employer rights that they would normally have. For example, you know, telling you when you can actually work, when you can take holidays and that sort of thing. It's also important to note that a VA is not an Indian call centre. In recent times, Productivity 501 has stated that the most common perception of a virtual assistant is someone working in a call centre from India. Now, this is absolutely not true. And I think it's probably more correct to state that the most recent perception of a VA is someone working in an Indian call centre. The term virtual assistant was kind of hijacked in the last few years by service providers from cheaper labour countries like India, and it hasn't been helped by very vocal and active proponents in the business community who have used their services and are more about kind of cheap partnerships than quality partnerships. VAs are valuable business partners, and as such, They have charge-out rates commensurate with their skills, their experience and their qualifications. If you act like an Indian call centre, you're not going to be in business for very long. And that includes devaluing your services. So my first tip that I usually give to newbies who are asking me what they should do to kind of get started in their practice is, first of all, I guess, don't give up your day job, at least not yet. 
It's important that you have an additional source of income when you start your practice. Now, this may only be a part-time job, but that's better than nothing. Work out how much you need to contribute to the family income and look for a job that meets that need. Now, in my circumstances, that meant that I only needed to work two days a week. So when I first started out, I got a job share role and I spent the remainder of the week working on my business without worrying that we were going to lose our savings or our house or we'd end up broke. As we all know, many businesses tend to go belly up in the first few years because the owners pour everything they have into it. And if it doesn't turn a profit for a while, they're in real trouble. If you're already working, ask your employer if there's some flexibility in your hours. If not, decide what's more important to you, your full-time job or being your own boss. If you're nervous about losing that full-time income, then perhaps business ownership isn't for you. There needs to be a certain level of independence and ability to self-motivate in any small business owner. That means taking some risks and moving outside your comfort zone, but it doesn't mean you have to risk everything. Do a bit of soul-searching. Only you can decide whether full-time income or working for yourself is best for you. Of course, replacing your income with your business is going to take a little while. Don't expect to do it straight away. But eventually, you will be earning close to your full-time income, if not exactly replacing it, but working much less hours. And of course, many VAs end up earning much more than their their current full-time income. So that tip again, don't give up your day job just yet. Check out whether you've got flexible working hours in your current job, whether there's some job sharing opportunities there whether casual or part-time work might actually work for you. My second tip is to have a supportive partner. It is so, so important that you get buy-in from your partner, that you are a serious businesswoman or businessman, and that this is not just a stay-at-home mum or make-money-from-home opportunity. It's not. If you also believe that's what being a VA is all about, then this is not the path for you. I've heard a number of VAs whose businesses have failed or their relationships have because their partner wasn't supportive of their move to this work-from-home status. Discuss your plans with your partner. Talk about the pros and cons. After all, this is going to affect their life too. In the early stages of your business, you will be busy marketing yourself and working hard for those all-important first clients. So that's going to mean less time at home or doing family things on the weekends. If your partner feels you're letting the team down, problems are bound to arise. You need to talk about what life's going to be like once you open your doors and make sure they support you. If you're not sure, ask some fellow VAs. If you're not a member of online industry networks, get onto some. Ask some questions. Find out what others have experienced and what you might be in for. What goes hand in hand with this is if you end up doing it all yourself, you're going to burn out fast. You're not going to be able to run a business and look after the kids and do the after-school stuff, the canteen duty, the mum's taxi, the cooking, the cleaning, the washing and all that sort of thing. I'm here to tell you that the super mum is a myth. Relationships are partnerships and you both have to be committed. Ask your partner to take some of the load. There's going to be benefits for the whole family in the end if the load is shared in the early stages of the startup of your business. If you're a single mum, then you're going to need help. Admit it. Move on. You're not less of a person or less of a woman for doing that. My partner had some difficulty in the early stages of my business because he found he was having to do more around the house, entertain our daughter on his own, and weekend plans just went out the window when I had a deadline of Monday morning dumped on me at 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. But eventually, when my business took a 
overseas for three weeks, he soon realised that this wasn't a hobby to fill in time while our daughter was at school. It was a serious business and there were definite payoffs for him in it. My third tip is to take it seriously. If you want to succeed and utilise the skills that you have built up, then you need to be serious. Now, this involves, at a minimum, registering a business name. Of course, you don't have to have a you know, separate business name for your business. You can operate under your own name if you'd like. If you're in Australia, you have to get an Australian business number or ABN. Make sure that you arrange to get some business cards and some letterhead printed. Now, letterhead if you can afford it, business cards at an absolute minimum. These are going to be imperative for when you're going to networking functions so that you've actually got something to leave people with. Advertising. Look at all the different forms that are available to you. Yellow pages, local paper, internet directories. There are lots and lots of freebies with internet directories, so get yourself on as many as possible. Get yourself a domain name and a website. One that resonates with your business name so that you can start using domain email. It's very important, particularly when you start answering client requests, that you are using domain email rather than a Hotmail or Yahoo Groups account. So get yourself a domain name registered. Have a look at the applicable local and state government regulations for setting up a business in your area. They are very specific and there might be additional fees or those sorts of things that you have to look at when you're setting up. Look at a separate phone line for your business. This is really important. In Australia, all residences have two lines and numbers coming into them. I'm not sure about other countries. You could look into that. Our telecommunications company or our main one, Telstra, only turns on one when the phone is connected. So you can ask for the second number to be connected. And if there isn't a lot of cabling, there's very, very minimal cost involved. There is, of course, a second line rental. But look at this because it is important. You you can also use your mobile, of course. You don't need to have a completely separate number for your home office. But it is important because this becomes your business line and you can then keep your business and private separate. If the business line rings and you've got a child crisis at home, you can let it go to your answering machine and then return the call immediately things have calmed down. It also means that you can answer incoming calls more professionally rather than just, yep, hello, when you're answering the home line. And actually recently, believe it or not, I have had a few VAs answer their phones in just that way, despite the fact that their number was listed as the main business contact. Now, of course, you can make your mobile number, as I said, your main business contact, that's fine. And contrary to popular opinion, clients don't care if they have to call a mobile over a landline. If you're a little uncomfortable about it, answer your mobile phone, find out what it is thereafter just very briefly, and then say, look, give me your landline number, I'll call you straight back, and then you can call them back from yours. That way, if you're worried about dropouts or that sort of thing, you can obviate that. Very importantly, get yourself a good accountant and one who specialises in small business accounting. This way, you're going to know exactly what your rights are with regard to deductible expenses, as well as what your obligations are with regards to tax. Now, for Australians, you'll also need to consider whether you'll opt into the GST system. Businesses who earn under $75,000 per annum currently don't actually need to register for GST, but you still need that ABN, the Australian Business Number. Other countries, just check out whether you've got an elective goods and services tax system or whether you automatically have to be registered. Again, in Australia... There's a 25% entrepreneur's tax discount. What about that? Are you eligible? Should you be part of the simplified tax system? 
Your accountant can give you all the appropriate advice. You don't have to go out there and find it all yourself. There are professionals out there who know this information. Set up a time, sit down, have a chat to them about it. They can also advise you on the best way to set up your business for your circumstances. Are you better operating as a sole practitioner, a partnership with your your husband or your wife, as a trust? There's lots of different things to look at. Setting it up, getting it right from the beginning is going to save lots of headache down the track. These are the absolute basics if you want to be taken seriously as a business owner. Tip number four, and I mentioned it briefly earlier, is actually to join some industry and other networks. Now, marketing yourself is going to be all important. How is anyone going to know that you're available if you don't get out there and let people know who you are and what you do? You've got chambers of commerce, local business networking groups, leads clubs. These are all excellent vehicles for getting your face connected to your business name. Don't make the mistake of many people, however, who go to these networking functions and just use the events as opportunities to, you know, grab business cards. You want to use them as an opportunity to make meaningful connections. Learn about the people you meet there, likes, dislikes, business aspirations and so on. You really don't want to be sort of seen as a business card shark that kind of, you know, hovers around and circles groups of people and just really wants to, you know, collect as many business cards and get yours out to as many as you can. Business that I've received from people I've met at networking functions hasn't actually always come from that specific person, but someone that they know. Be a good listener and people are going to remember you. Some online networks that you should look at joining if you're a newbie is the Clayton Secretary Network, which is an Australian-based network. That's at asecretary.com.au. And another Australian network is the Virtually Yours Network, which is at virtuallyyours.com.au. These are both very good networks for newbies. You'll find that some of the networks you can join for free. Others have a small joining fee. Your membership usually includes a page or listing in the network's directory and access to an email group or online forum, as well as to job leads. Now, remember that you will not be guaranteed work from any of these networks. It is still your responsibility to market yourself and your practice. But getting listed in the directory at least increases your online presence and you're kind of right on the back of the network owner's marketing activities. So when they're doing the marketing for the actual network, that's going to increase the chances of the network being found and then by extension, the chances of you being found. Of course, the advantage of online networks is that they give you connection to like-minded individuals who are in the same boat as you. Being a VA is a lonely business. You are remote, you work for yourself, usually from a home office and usually alone, so you need to be able to be self-motivated. Having access to others in the same situation gives you an outlet for discussing things of concern to you with people who actually understand or have been there. These networks also give you access to skills that you may not have. So if a job inquiry comes in and you're not confident of handling it yourself, you can outsource it to the people in your network, keeping the client happy, opening doors for work to come your way from your colleagues in return. Of course, there are also overseas networks that you can think of joining, and I always encourage people to join more than just their local or one or two networks. Having access to overseas VAs is great too, obviously, because you might have work that comes in that 
needs to be turned around in a time frame that just simply can't be done. So you can utilise the time differences with VAs in other countries. My fifth tip is to actually think about niching. Now, in a nutshell, this means not trying to be all things to all people, something everyone new to business is guilty of. Instead, determine where your strengths lie. And these are tasks that you love to perform and can be considered an expert in. And market those strengths to the people who could use and benefit from them. So this is going to require a little bit of research on your part. At the very least, sit down with a pen and paper and work out your strengths and target market. So for example, if your background is in the legal industry, you might decide to promote your services to law officers, sole practitioners and barristers. Or perhaps you worked in accounts in your previous job. And if you've got a good understanding of computer-based accounting packages, you might become a virtual bookkeeper and promote your services to small business owners who haven't got the time or inclination to get all their books ready at tax time. Now, whilst this might seem at first that you are actually limiting your chances for clients, it in fact works the other way. You want to set yourself up as one in a million, not one of a million. So a bit of a specialist or expert. When you talk to people at networking functions, you don't want to tell them that I'm a virtual secretary, I can type letters, do up spreadsheets, arrange appointments, handle your bookkeeping, put together your presentations. Generally, you've lost them after the first few words because when they hear type letters, they think, oh, you're one of those. Now, I'm an experienced executive PA, so my niche is non-exec directors and other professionals who don't have secretarial support. So when I meet people, I just say, I'm a virtual assistant and specialise in providing secretarial support to executives and consultants. I then leave it up to them to ask me questions to get me to elaborate. I had one person actually respond to this once by saying, so does that mean you do spreadsheets too? So in this way, the potential client has made a connection for themselves between you and something they might need done, and then they're more likely to remember you than if you've spoon-fed them the information yourself. So the five tips again are don't give up your day job, at least not yet. Make sure that you've got a supportive partner. Take your business seriously. Join some industry networks, and these are both on and offline. And think about niching. As a bonus tip, don't be frightened to ask for work. Approach ex-bosses and colleagues to let them know what it is that you're doing now and what you can do for them. Tell your family and friends. Ask them to help to promote you to people that they know. I've actually done this a couple of times in my career as a VA and it's always led to a few really good referrals. In the early stages of your business, tell everyone that you meet, the mechanic, the house washer. Everyone who came to my house in the early stages left with a business card and a bit of an understanding of what it is that I could do and how I might help them or help someone that they knew. Now, they might not need me, but they are bound to actually come across someone in their travels who might. The other thing I can recommend is that you grab yourself this terrific book. Now, I got this book, gee, I think it was probably about a year into my practice, and I'm just looking now at where the bookmark is, and I'm not even halfway through the book yet, and we're 10 years later. The book is Getting Business to Come to You by Paul and Sarah Edwards. You can get this book secondhand from Amazon. It is a fantastic book. I started to read it, as I said, about 12 months into my practice. And remember, at that stage, I was working in a job share role. And I implemented some of the tips that they provided just in the first few chapters. 
and I had three full-time clients within a couple of months. So it really is a great book. I would recommend that one. Again, Getting Business to Come to You by Paul and Sarah Edwards and you will find a number of secondhand copies on Amazon that you can pick up relatively inexpensively. So those are my five tips for starting your VA practice. In our next session, we will talk about getting and keeping clients. And then finally, about how to actually say no to clients and set some boundaries in your practice. I'm Lynn Prowse-Bishop, and this has been The Virtual Business Show. If you have any comments to make on today's episode, please feel free to do so by visiting execstress.com and follow the links to our show comments form. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.